As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. It's been 10 days since Spain's women's team won their first ever World Cup. But no sooner than Jenny Hermoso and her teammates were crowned champions, the spotlight shifted, as it always does in the women's game, away from the football itself to something else. What followed was a he-said-she-said scandal involving falsified quotes, a hunger strike and the coming together of an entire footballing community to say, Se acabo, it's over. As the suspended president Luis Rubiales clings to power, let's talk about how we got here, what allyship really means in the men's game, and the real legacy of a wonderful tournament. I'm Ayo Akinwalere. Welcome to the Athletic Football Podcast. For this, we've got the Athletics Deputy Editor Laura Williamson, reporter Adam Crafton, and Leia Cerbelo Herrero, who's been all over this story from the start. Leia, let's get a sense of the timeline here, because this story has just got bigger, more bizarre, more crazy. You were at the stadium in Australia as Spain were crowned world champions, but then everything changed so quickly. Yeah, I mean, when we were there, uh, none of the journalists uh, covering Spain could believe that they have achieved it because to us they weren't favorites because of everything that happened in the in the last year. So everybody was so excited. But at the same time we were talking about, yeah, but it's also Bildas and Rubiales World Cup. It was a shame that that kind of federation that has just shown in the last 34 years to care nothing about women's football will be reinforced after that. So a mixed feelings and just saying, yeah, we give up, uh, they are going to just uh, gain force after that. And then, when nobody was expecting it, they just made their own grave. They were so obsessed with giving a good image of the Federation during a month and a half, that I think that when everything just come to an end and they, win the, they won the World Cup, they were just relaxed and they showed as they are. And everybody could see that. It's funny how... We were talking during the, the World Cup 
what would happen when things uh, started going wrong, uh, that problems that they have uh, would explode. And it's funny how everything explodes after the best thing that could happen to them happened. Laura, and I have to be very straight here and, and, and very honest about this. I remember initially sit, seeing the kiss and sort of just sort of fudging off thinking passion, you know, someone who's really, you know, happy for, for his team and then having to really dig deeper and think, hold on a second, this is someone's em- employer, right? Like this is, uh, this is your boss and actually this detracts away from an incredible achievement uh, made, but so many conversations around consent, so many conversations uh, around masculinity as well. Um, it wasn't just the wel- unwelcome kiss on the 20th of, of August that, that really matters here. This is something that goes a little further back, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you go back to um, the end of the Euros, you know, Spain's players um, voicing their discontent with their manager, um, and then in September, 15 of those players signing, um, writing letters to the Federation, individual 15 individual letters to the Federation saying that they would not play for Spain again um, unless changes were made. The response from the Federation to that protest was astonishing. I mean, talk about disparaging, you know, we're, we're, not, we're not changing anything, thanks. And three of those players end up um, representing their country at the World Cup, which remarkably despite all of that they go on to win and then the president of the federation that is supposed to represent them and let's and, and let's be clear this is you know the, the spanish fa is, is supposed to represent the game the national game in spain you know from the grassroots up um and yet when the women's team win the biggest honor in in the game the uh, president decides to celebrate by grabbing his crotch i mean astonishing and then tries to sort of say, oh, well, I, you know, possibly I shouldn't have done that when sitting next to the Queen of Spain and her teenage daughter. But then it goes even worse. You know, he's front and centre of the presentation party. Yeah, inflicting those kisses doesn't seem the right word, but in, inflicting himself on, on those players um, at the, the peak of their professional careers. Um, I mean, you, couldn't, you actually couldn't make it up. Adam, this is also, I mean, look, the sadness, I guess, and, and for a lot of people is that, you know, it feels like, especially around women's football, it really can't just be about the football. Now we've got this to to add to it. This tournament was more about football in many respects, because on one side, we got uh, an amazing football tournament, but also a tournament that still highlights a lot of the discrepancies and issues that surround the women's game today. Yeah, one of the thing that, things that keeps being said um, throughout the past week is how terrible it is that we're having to talk about this after you know the Spanish players have just achieved this incredible thing. I actually don't agree with that. I think it would have been really disguising the reality of women's football in Spain if all we were talking about at this point was you know what had happened on the pitch because so it would be concealing so much that has happened over the past decade so much that that the female players have had to put up with and endure. And actually, in terms of a moment for change and an opportunity for change, you'll never get a bigger platform than that, than than a World Cup final and everything that's come after it. So, you know, clearly nobody would like what what happened to have happened. But I think, you know, the the possibility for change that has come out of it can, can only really be a good thing. 
Leia, I want to get that Spanish perspective from from you because we've already touched about how this goes back uh, a, a fair bit. Um, just Rubiales uh, as as a character, um, his history within the, the the women's game and and the federation. Yeah, I mean, uh, I would know not know which one start, but uh, we have to remember that when he was just two weeks in charge of the federation, he just fired Lopetegui because it was leaked that he was going to manage uh, Real Madrid after the World Cup. And one week before the World Cup, Spain didn't have any manager to to just go a, and and play the a competition like a, a like a World Cup. Uh, he was so hard with him, and we are not seeing that character with the women's team. You have a manager that for seven years has not been able to to win a a knockout game, and you want to have it still there. Uh, they renew him one month before the Euros last year, as if saying, okay, we don't care uh, how the tournament is going to go. That's why the players had so much frustration. And there are so many scandals surrounding Rubiales' uh, figure, and it's like, are you going to fire me for, for one kiss? No, no, it's just everything that has happened in the last... Uh, seven years or eight years it has been crazy and um, it has been proven that he cannot be in charge of a federation like the the Spanish one it's so obvious you have to to go I'm listening to a lot of this and I'm thinking about power structures right I'm thinking about how certain people are in certain jobs and look you know, it's, it's not my place to say the Spanish Federation is any better than anyone else. You know, I I'm not here to sort of sit there and go, oh, we're OK here in Great Britain or, or, or whatever. But, you know, it's now turned into this really ugly situation now where it's a he said, she said kind of situation. And you, you're seeing uh, a structure crumbling, but still trying to maintain form. Um, can we get some clarity on who said what and, and, and where we're at with, with, with everything, Leia? I mean... Does it even care? I mean, Rubiales kind of said that he asked for a peg uh, to Jenny and Jenny said, OK, I can see in the images that she hasn't had the time to uh, actually respond, I have to say. But it doesn't it doesn't matter. You are her boss. You can do that in a World Cup final. If you want to do that in a dressing room, it's not appropriate anyway, but you can do that in front of everybody you have to know which is your role in the in that in that final and it just it's not your your moment it's not your 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 time and he wanted to be the main character of the of the celebrations even if the kiss hadn't happened you can be in the tribune just touching your balls and saying to villa it's because of you it's because of you it's because of you because it's it's in spite of him i mean the players have managed to win a world cup Without, without talking to the manager, it's so big that that happened. And it's just so disrespectful for, from, from Robiales to just point at the men in the federation, just saying that it's also them. And even if the kiss hadn't happened, everything that came after that, every time he tried to just hug a player, just give, him, give them a kiss on the cheek, it was so disgusting. And you can do that if you are a... Uh, a president of a federation. We talk about those governing the, the women's game, and I mean, do we even know if within this federation how many women sit within the, the, this federation in order to have a voice? Uh, you know, uh, 
and you, you get a situation like this happening and you're thinking, where are, where are, where are the women's voices that are also able to, to drive this? Or perhaps there aren't many. Rubialis is one of is a member of the FIFA UEFA Executive Committee, you know the the sort of Council for European um, European Football, and there are only three women on that. One of which is Debbie Hewitt, the um, head of the English FA, who was sitting not very far away from him, and is, finds herself in the position of um, having to contribute to FIFA's report into a fellow fellow Exco member. Clearly, at these top levels of um, football, women's and men, women's voices are, aren't heard, aren't heard as much. They, they, they just aren't. I think building off what Lias said that that's been the, the, the secondly doubly damaging element of this story is that, you know, we're all watching the pictures and you sort of, you think, hang on, what's happened there? And then there was some footage emerged from the dressing room. And again, that wasn't clear. And then um, a quote is attributed to Hermoso, and she didn't say it. <laughs> um, and then this this pattern keeps happening, where it's it's claim and counterclaim, and then and and Rubiales tries to get ahead of the agenda by um, sort of apologising, and not even well, it's not even worthy of the word, but um, for mm. for his actions in gr- grabbing his crotch, and and each but each time the Spanish Federation comes back um, singling out their their player that it's, it's extraordinary it just made me think i mean like before the before the final we had gianni infantino who's been notable by his absence since all this is kicked off by the way um you know telling telling the women of the world pick the right battles pick the right fights you have the power to change you have the power to convince us men what we have to do and what we don't have to do you do it just do it now we've got women having to speak up for themselves and for what they think is right. And, you know, where's he? He's, no, he's absolutely nowhere to be seen. You're listening to The Athletic Football Podcast with Ayo Akinwalere. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Adam, I'm just wondering, I mean, very different stories in many respects, but, you know, we, we, we're talking Mason Greenwood last week and we're talking the, the Women's World Cup the, this week um, and how badly handled these kind of situations are when they come to light. And even with a global, it now being a global conversation with social media, for instance, we are still seeing these spaces really struggling to understand public rhetoric understand the movement of society yeah i think it's a new story in that you know you're almost seeing 
the power of social media in some ways to almost balance out or overcompensate for what people perceive to be limitations of legal frameworks or uh, structures within organizations in terms of accountability and transparency. But in, in, in other ways, this is the oldest story ever in that it's men and it's their power and it's their money and it's their control and it's and it's the truth and it's the relationship of rich powerful people and the truth and the the stuff that's being said this week you know that the rubiales has been saying and supporters of rubiales have been saying i mean it is just pure post truth bullshit right like it is just it is just spreading stuff that is simply not true right you had uh, frame by frame images that the Spanish FA tried to release to try and exonerate someone where the woman in question has already said this was not consensual, um, which in itself was just extraordinary. It feels like the more charges or investigations are launched into Rubiales, the more defiant he and his defenders appear to become. And look, I mean, it's the easiest comparison in the world to make, but it, it all feels a hell of a lot like someone we all know very well in America, right? Like mm-hmm. the, 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 rhetoric, the rhetoric that's being used, the language that's being used, the way that charges build up and the sort of sense of, uh, you know, everyone's out to get me grows and somehow the supporters of that cause also grow. Hey, we've seen this, we've seen this all before, but I think the, the, the big difference here is that you know, the, I think the feeling at the moment appears to be that the net is closing on Rubiales, and it it is just really a matter of when rather than if he will leave the Spanish FA. I mean, he's just not going to be able to cling on. Yeah, Laia, we, you know, you were nodding there, and just before we started, we were talking about uh, the environment in which this has been able to to happen, and you know, um, I guess I'm really interested from your perspective, like what what kind of what kind of environment. Did you grow up in in Spain that allow that you now see manifesting itself in this kind of case? It's not just the environment in, in Spain. It's in in Spain's football. It's made by by men. We can hear uh, Irene Paredes just telling the day before the final that they have been thinking that they don't belong to that world for all her, all their lives. Sorry, it's crazy that football players are just thinking that they don't belong to football because they are women. And uh, in Spain, uh, football obviously is part of the structure of the of the country, and it's very important for for everybody. But at the same time, it just men's football. People is not prepared for women's. And the other day, when when they when the presidents of the regional federations just had to meet, they didn't know how to do, or they just fell bad for Rubiales because he had been kind to to them, as if that mattered to to anybody. Uh, they were saying, yeah, but he had he has done a great job in in Spain. And I was super surprised about that because, uh, as long as I know, uh, women's football in Spain is also a thing. And uh, in the Royales period, uh, he has been having to deal with one strike of women's football because they uh, wanted to have like a text with the rights of the. Footballers just saying that they had to have a minimum salary because lots of them are were just working in shops or working in other stuff just to manage be, being a, a a football player and it took eighteen months and in that document as long as I know the 
aspect of the maternity of uh, and being a mother it's not something that is part of that of that text something that is very worrying if we, if uh, we are taking into account that that happened in 2021 so it's just one year and a half ago it's crazy how how in spain they make women believe that, that they are they do not belong the things that they have to to suffer and the things that they have to hear even in 2015 because we're not talking about 30 years ago we're talking about eight years ago and it's insane do we have a sense of i mean Adam alluded to it a little earlier, how someone like Rubiales, even with all this pressure, still can't be told to go, <laughs> you know, like that he's still holding on. How on earth does this happen? Because we we all, we all like to think we're living in this democracy, right? Where you're like, look, get rid of him. You've done a bad job. Thank you very much for your time. But unfortunately, that doesn't seem to be happening. Why is that not happening? I think football seems to work in dictatorships rather than democracy. Um, I think um, Rubiales has got many friends at UEFA um, for what potentially what he's done in the in the men's game and the power he's got. Um, I mean, he he sat down with the head of the Portuguese FA, who have now since been joined by the Moroccan FA as well, and you know signed a World Cup bid and said, you know, in twenty thirty. The men's World Cup can come to Spain, Portugal, and Morocco, and we'll show our we'll show you our values. Well, well, I think we know what they are now. But his role in that World Cup bid is vitally important for UEFA, European football's governing body, because they would be backing a a bid led by Spain and Portugal for it to be in Europe again. You know, he 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 got friends in high places in the nicest possible way, which is. Um, which is why UEFA are saying this was a FIFA event, this is a FIFA investigation, over to you really. He's suspended for, fo- for football for 90 days, so he's not liable to um, pick up his, whatever it is, quarter of a million dollars in uh, in UEFA Exco money. Um, but I mean, European football is is convening in, in Monaco this week for the Champions League Europa League um, draws. So it'd be very, very interesting to see what's going on in those corridors of power because Rubiales will have a lot of support. Um, people aren't, won't come out and say it necessarily, but he'll have a lot of support um, among the people that make the decisions about, about the game. Yeah. Adam, what about the request from the Federation then to remove their own teams from European competition <laughs> with, with, with all this hanging on it said, we're all shaking our heads and smacking our, our hands and our heads thinking, could it get any more ridiculous? We're 27, we're 27 minutes in and we're still not onto the striking granny. So to explain how this works is that the general rule is that UEFA would ordinarily be opposed to governments intervening in individual countries' football affairs. Now, some people might hear that and think, oh, but didn't UEFA need the British government to intervene when the Super League came along and threatened the, it was like a legislative bomb to stop the Super League. So that rule in itself is, is a little bit odd. Um, but what Rubiales was hoping that was that UEFA would see, oh, the Spanish government starting to give opinions on what should happen in Spanish football. Therefore, if they ban, if UEFA bans that Spain's own federation and their teams from UEFA club competitions, then it might uh, sort of scare off the Spanish government from involving themselves in affairs. Um, I recognise what I just said sounds like a total riddle because it, it is, <laughs> and it is it is a mind bending uh, yeah. thing thing to try and do. Um, I suppose just on what Laura was saying, you know, in terms of friends in football, I thought one of the most revealing things was 
the amount of people clapping during his press conference where he was saying, you know, I will not resign. No voy a dimitir. No voy a dimitir. He had clearly been just watching clips of Wolf of Wall Street and replaying that clip in his own head, sort of star. Including Georges Wilder, the, the it, current... Yeah, you know, well, right? the, the star of his own little movie. And he... Uh, you look around that room and you saw the few women that were in there looking incredibly uncomfortable um, on the whole, and you saw the sort of what I would call like the enablers, the men that sit there, clap along, and don't think it's their place to stand up and say anything until it really until they're in the firing line. As we've seen with George Wilder, you know, his backroom staff resigned, didn't they, last weekend? Then he came out, he's given a bit of a fudge statement, um, you know, to try and protect himself. That is the world that, the, these uh, female Spanish players are having to to fight against. Well, Adam, let, let's let's go to this one because you alluded to it earlier. It's the bizarre twist in the story that came in on Monday as Urialis's seventy-two-year-old mother locked herself in a church, beginning a hunger strike in protest of the alleged witch hunt she claims is happening against her son. To get more on that, we caught up with the athletic Spanish football writer who's been camped outside the church, Dermot Corrigan. I've been here in, in Montreal, which is the Luis Rubiales home city, for about two days now, just around the corner from the church where his mother is on hunger strike. Mother went in on Monday morning. I scrambled down from Madrid. There was a protest here on Monday evening from friends of the family, locals who wanted to, to show their support for, for Rubiales, who feel that he's been persecuted. They have a version of reality that's different from the version of reality that a lot of us have, but they're sticking to that. Then yesterday evening, the church had to open up because there was a mass. Rubiales' mother, who's like in her 70s, is, is you know on medication, was sitting there. She answered a few questions, said she's not gonna leave, said she'd been in touch with her her son, but she's feeling strong. She, this is the way that she feels she can support him. Other members of the family as well have said that their aim is to get the players to change their version of events, to vindicate Luis Rubiales so that all this can go away. Almost everybody except the people who, who really close around him that I've spoken to anyway, a lot of people in Spain, they're fascinated by it, but they kind of just wish it would go away. And they are well aware of this isn't a good look for the country. Another kind of element to this is that Spain have games coming up in Euro 2024 qualifiers. De La Fuente has to name a squad for that on Friday. There's no sign of the men's players taking action. You know, the women's players at the moment have said that they won't play for the Federation until there are the root and branch reforms that they want. A lot of people in the men's side have said that, you know, it's now time to leave it to the competent authorities to sort it out. This is one for the government, this is one for FIFA, for the Federation themselves. Spanish media haven't been pushing too hard on the players when they do interviews after games, but there will be press conferences next week. So it's going to be super interesting to see how that is managed because, you know, Rubiales is gone, but almost everybody else is still there at the Federation. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events 
the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Rubiales has refused to resign and more than 80 players are now refusing to play for Spain until he's removed. Laura, I was just thinking about allyship in, in these conversations, um, you know, very different, but some similarities, you know, when we talk about conversations about race, you know, black people or people of colour expected to speak about race, but actually when the, the oppressing element is the one speaking about it, then it, the, the conversation shifts a little bit and feels a little louder. And I'm, I'm looking at a lot of men here as well. You know, um, I know certain men have come forward, you know, Borja Iglesias, uh, Hector Bellerin as well, and, and, and several, Xavi. Um, but how important is that male allyship in, in in really pushing this conversation forward? Because as, as Leah's just said, I, I think culturally a lot of people feel like nothing is really going to change significantly, although this is a landmark moment. I think it's really important, particularly within the landscape of football in Spain and also politically in Spain that that lies outlined. It's not about sort of needing support from from men, but I think hearing hearing the voices of prominent Spanish um, players, managers, etc. Um, I mean, like uh, uh, Mikel Arteta, for instance, was was pretty strong with it on it when asked. But it's not like there's been a ripple effect of people coming out on social media and and mm. just but just backing backing their teammates. Um, but then that's that's not surprising particularly because we know the sort of closeted world that um, that professional men's football is a lot of the time. Um, but I think I think that would of course be would of course be valued. Um, and it's as I say, it's not about sort of needing to piggyback on the back of male support but it is allyship and 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 that actually we are in this we are in this together and football is football and not these you know definite gender lines that we're forever having to go down very few of the men who have actually spoken have really had anything to lose Mm -hmm. i would say like Mm -hmm. a lot of you know i look at someone like david de gea okay he came out and he he said like my my ears were bleeding but David De Gea is out of the Spain squad. He's had a very good career. He's very unlikely to be picked. Borja Iglesias, okay, he's made two appear- two caps, I think, for Spain. Those older people like Xavi and Iesta again, like you know, I think it's great those people are speaking. But I look at the people who might be in Spain's men's squad in two in a week's time, and I kind of ask where they are. The the, the women's team have basically, at the moment, they're saying they're giving up their their right to play for the country. That's how strongly they feel about this. And if they feel that strongly about that, then to be honest, I would expect the, the men to be to be backing them, really, by taking a, by taking a similar stance. As ever with sort of male footballers, you're kind of asking, you know, you say you believe in all these things, but as soon as there's something on the line for you, how much do you really believe in it and how much do you want to, to stake? Where do we go from here, from from a Spanish Federation point of view, uh, from a, a football point of view? That's the the main question, and I really don't know the answer because, as you can tell, Spain sometimes is quite surreal, and I think we are showing the the worst of Spain to the world, and it's 
uh, ashamed and lots of us are just so ashamed of, of that is happening in, in the Federation that is representing our country. So I just hope that this meant something in the future, that this will be worthy just when we are, in 20 years, we, when we will be trying to talk about the, the World Cup that Spain won in 2023 and just saying, yeah, but they won the World Cup and they won something something else. Uh, I hope that this really means a change for, for Spain, even if I'm quite sceptical with, with it, to, to be honest, as, as I was saying before, because things uh, change so slowly here. It's crazy so because sometimes you feel just that things are not changing and you have to hear some things. And I have to be explaining these days to other uh, colleagues that are men, why is uh, everything that is happening so bad and so serious and we have to just uh, stop and, and do something about it. It's crazy how people still don't understand what's happening and if there's people who is not understanding what, what is happening. It's because the, the the country is not going in the direction that we we need to 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 go. And obviously, yeah, we saw Laporta just saying, yeah, we condemn everything that happened and we get, uh, give our support to Jenny. But when it's something that came so late, it was so not enough. Everybody supporting Jennifer Hermoso, and nobody is is going in in the uh, Rubiales way at least publicly. Uh, that's when people talk, and it's so easy to do that. They are not genuine, and I think that's the the real problem. It's not just Rubiales and, or not just Bilda. It's just a whole structure, a whole system that is affecting Spain. Very quickly, um, before we wrap up, um, I want to sort of circle back to where this all started, an incredible World Cup, um, which made history, which completely blew out of the water what many would have perceived women's football to be in many respects. Um, just a quick one from each one of you about the legacy of what this World Cup um, for football in general, actually, not just for, for women's football, but just for football in general. Uh, I'll start with you on this one, Adam. Um, well, I think it just shows the, the improvements that we're seeing structurally, technically, in terms of, you know, the kind of facilities and the crowds and the level of interest and all those great things that we talk about. But also, it's also exposed all the limiting factors, you know, the the kind of you know, the the men that sort of continue to sort of do their best to hold back progress, um, uh, and and they are you know the ultimate limiting factors. I wonder if, whether it's the World Cup that should be FIFA's last. Radical though that sounds, like is that is that organisation fit to deliver um, a tournament in twenty twenty seven? Um, I, I, I would argue at the moment there's not much evidence to say it is. Um, you know, it was a it was a wonderful tournament in terms of the, the football um, played on the pitch and an organisation and, and and the rest of it. But everything that comes with it, FIFA have been so woefully uh, inept um, that I I remember I will remember this tournament as 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 the World Cup where everyone had to fight. Everyone had to fight <laughs> to be there. Um, you know, even even England with, you know, bonus rounds. I know it's a totally different level, but it just it, these 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 brilliant women um, to, that had to fight to, to play football on, on the highest stage. I think that's how I'll remember it. 
Yeah, and uh, Leah, I was just as Laura was just thinking, was talking there, I was thinking Jamaica, I'm thinking Nigeria, I'm thinking all these other countries who had to really battle to be there and get backing from their federation. Um, what would you say the the lasting legacy of this World Cup has been? Uh, probably just saying that um, sometimes when, even if you have your biggest success, it's not enough just to not talk about uh, men, especially in, in football, and that with little bit investment because it wasn't that that much. Women's soccer can move the masses, and it's something that I think probably in some spheres it's something that they are afraid of and they are not prepared uh, for. So I think it's uh, it's gonna be a, a World Cup of the, a big change, maybe not the one that we were expecting. We were expecting just to talk about football and to be like the World Cup of a big change, like in football terms and just uh, having better and better players and just uh, watching better football. But again, the, the main things weren't, weren't that uh, again. And it's so sad that uh, we had to watch that fantastic tournament and we are just talking about that one week later. Okay, let's finish it there. Thank you all so much for your time, Laura, Adam, Leah. Really appreciate it. For more on Luis Rubiales and this controversy that has engulfed Spanish football, head to The Athletic. You can sign up today for a special limited time offer for just £1 a month for 12 months at theathletic.com forward slash football pod. Thank you so much for listening. You've been listening to The Athletic Football Podcast. The producers were Adonis Pratsides and Guy Clark, with additional production by Mike Stavro and Jay Beale. The executive producer was A.D. Moorhead. The Athletic.